Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss machining unleaded materials. Reliability is possible. Welcome, Carly. Welcome, David. And what's so special about this episode? Well, Carly? first, I'm going to thank you for welcoming me. And then this is our 200th episode. 200th podcast. 200 podcasts. Yes. We started in April 2020, and we have done one every week since then. Had a few extras in there, and this is number 200. Listeners, thank you so much for dialing in. Dialing in. Wow. You just dated yourself, my man. I just heard the screeching of the modem. <laughs> <laughs> 300 baht, no less. But tru- <laughs> truly, we do this for our listeners, so thank you for listening because we have a lot of fun doing it. I learn a lot from it, that's for sure. Hopefully our listeners learn a lot. And keep on listening. We want to do another 200. Absolutely. 200 episodes. That's All right. dedication. That's right. That's right. All on precision machining. Yeah. All on precision machining. Our superpower is showing up and doing the work. <laughs> we just do it, right? All right, let's talking, start talking about machining unleaded materials. What are we learning I don't today? want to machine unleaded materials. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave's out. <laughs> well, David, the reason you don't want to is unleaded materials give you a penalty on your cycle time. They give you a penalty on your tool life. And by golly, if there's cold work, they're not very friendly to that either. So there's a lot of costs and inefficiencies with unleaded materials. So we absolutely understand why you say no way. All right, so let me ask you this. If he's jumping all over and saying he doesn't want to cut it, why are we even talking about it? Well, we... I mean, don't we have other options? Well, it's interesting you would bring up the idea of options, Carly, because we just just lost, uh, in, in the case of steel, um, we lost our last domestic melt shop for producing leaded steel products here in the U.S. Ouch. So no more domestic U- USA, made in USA, leaded steel, 12L14. That's all coming from overseas. You know, that's something they've talked about forever, and it's something that I didn't really think I would see in my lifetime because they keep pushing it off, pushing it off. I was really surprised. Well, I was the guy that said, you know, use it, we'll make more. And I argued against Republic Steel was saying, oh, it's going away, it's going away. Well, 30 years later, it's finally going away. But back in the 80s, it was, it was a real thing. So what, babies were licking our steel bars? I, you know, I have no idea uh, about that. Uh, you know, apparently they're chewing on auto parts because they got it out of the end-of-life vehicles. They didn't want lead in auto parts, so don't let your babies eat the lug nuts. But uh, in the case of brass, in the case of brass, um, many brass components are connected to our water systems. 
and lead is a problem if it is ingested and there's no better way to ingest it than <laughs> slowly by minute dose over time through your drinking water. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so the regulations are you don't put lead in our drinking in, pipes. Right, in, in any fixtures for, for plumbing. So that's, that's where the real sense makes. But um, lead gives us a lot of advantages in machining it reduces the power required, which means we reduce our greenhouse gas. Um, you know, efficiency, cost, cost reduction. There's a lot of reasons to use lead, but we don't melt it in the U.S. anymore for steel. Okay, so this is an awesome podcast for our 200th end because everybody's going to be coming across this. I'm sure everyone's got a part with leaded steel. They don't want the cost of bringing it in. So let's talk about it. What, what do we need to know about machining unleaded materials? Well. Oh, and it went dark. <laughs> <laughs> he had nothing to say. <laughs> he said, defer to the machinist. <laughs> you know, the yes. big problem with machining unleaded materials is the chip problems. Is, is you tend to get more stringy chips. You tend to get chips that build up on tooling. And it's all, it's more like machining stainless. You have to look at chip breakers and chip management a lot more because with the leaded material, the chips just break off so nice and pretty and you get that powdery, nice fine chip and you don't have to worry about chips. But when you're drilling, boring, and, and especially on ID operations where you're constrained within the walls of the part, chips become a serious problem. That bird nest is not a feature. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> It is, however, a hazard if you've got to clear it, and please don't try and clear it with your bare hands. Yeah, especially on unleaded materials, it's easy to get cut, and a lot of those materials chip like razor blades. It's like cutting 304 stainless. You don't want to grab that with your hands. So what I found was interesting with the, uh, our visit to the Horn Technology Days earlier this year, they actually had a technical program uh, where they develop techniques to machine, better machine, unleaded materials. And their program actually involved both leaded steels and or unleaded steels and unleaded brass. And I was, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to, I don't know what, what term to use. I was gobsmacked when I saw those little fine elemental chips uh, from unleaded brass materials and unleaded steel materials on display there with their tools. Well, that's pretty cool. And, and they've got a lot of technology and chip breakers and then even um, suggesting machining strategies on how to break that chip. Things like the Citizen LFV technology. And then I don't know the names for Star and Sagami. They've got similar technologies where they're doing like radial cuts into the material to break the chip as you go. Well, the, the, tool the tool technology that Horn focused on did involve uh, uh, both geometry and uh, chip control surfaces and, and angles, but it was interesting to me that they were actually, by, by changing the tool uh, parameters, they were actually suggesting we should, we should push push the material even harder than we did the leaded material. 
That's impressive. Yeah, they went from a zero rake angle to a positive rake angle, and uh, guess what? The chips started breaking. Is breaking the chip off, they're shearing them. Yeah, go figure. So, with uh, you know, good coatings, the right geometries, they were actually showing faster speeds on unleaded brass than, than they were for the leaded brass. So, positive rake angles was uh, one of the big takeaways for me on that. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see, and I'm sure they've got this worked out, what the tool life. Um, is compared to like a leaded brass doing that even getting the faster machine time if you're getting comparable tool life because tool life on unleaded brass is pretty much forever you, you almost have to do a dumb move and break it you can't hardly wear those tools out well david i think that explains why when shops finally do go on their legacy equipment to unleaded brass from leaded brass or unleaded steel from leaded steel they find they do have to actually do some machine maintenance and <laughs> tighten the gibbs or actually put the gibbs back in and, and uh, you know, because that is how the tools failed, the, the machine would lurch. <laughs> you realize that's, that's what we're all afraid of. We actually have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy anniversary, 200th episode, right? <laughs> So the positive rake angle thing, that was, that was unexpected because we've literally been used to rubbing it off, right? I mean, you've yeah. basically no rake angle. And now putting a rake angle on and we're actually cutting it. And with that, combining with, uh, with the chip geometries, like I said, I, I, David, it looked like sawdust. <laughs> it, was, it was groove on unlettered brass. And the same thing on the on the... 1215 equivalent steel. They were elemental chips. There wasn't wasn't big curls. They weren't even sixes or nines. They were particles. Well, that's good. That looks like leaded chips. Absolutely. So I'm hearing rake angle. I'm hearing tooling. What what was your big takeaway from, and it sounds like Horn spurred this conversation on to begin with. So what was your big takeaway? That it's a winnable game. You know, I, I don't play golf. You can't win golf. <laughs> I mean, that's it's just not winnable, um, at least with my skill set. You're not, you know. You play against yourself, Miles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't win against myself. We won't get into that. Myself. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. You can't he can't win. beat himself at golf. <laughs> but, uh, but unleaded materials was, was actually winnable. It was winnable. They, they were able to get uh, the chips under control. They, because the chips were under control, the tool life was under control. It didn't require investments in, in a huge amount of things, just good tools, good practices, improve the coolant delivery, which is something we all should be working on anyhow. And, you know, they've, they figured out chip control, you know, I mean, we, yeah. we, we talk about, you know, what we make is the chips, not the parts. And, that my big takeaway is they proved it with unleaded material. Well, that's true. And, you know, it, it's kind of like what you think about when you hear unleaded material, you start thinking, uh, I've heard a lot of guys say, machine it like stainless. And so that's what you're telling me is similar to that. So you're going to a more positive rake angle, you get a sharper tool, you're attacking this a little different, and then you're starting to see 
that the chips break more like what you're used to with brass, but you have to look at things a little differently, change your feeds and speeds, and use that sharper tool. Yeah, I I think you know we're we're lucky. It's not like we're just whittling a tool out of tool steel like we were in shop class, right? I mean, now we're we're able to get inserts, and those inserts are you know specially coded, and the geometries are calculated beyond our ability to measure in some cases. So. Uh, really the progress of our technology is to the point where we don't need to be afraid to try unleaded materials. But if we do bring in unleaded brass in particular, there's one, one very important warning, Carly. What's that? Segregate your scrap. Oh, yeah. If you fail to segregate your scrap, one shovel full of unleaded chips and a whole dump truck load of leaded chips could result in that truck load of leaded chips being refused by the recycler. Oh, definitely need to segregate. David, how much would that be worth in terms of, you know, lost value? I mean, oh, how much the chips are, what, 50%, 80% yeah. of the material? Yeah, you're talking... You know, in in the in the mid twos, probably low threes right now a pound. So, eighty percent of that is no longer recoverable as scrap. Oh, okay. Segregate Separate, your scrap. Segregate. And the different kinds of unleaded material. There are different kinds. Some have bismuth, some don't. Some have high phos, some don't. They can poison each other. So, find one use it, stick to it, and segregate it. That was one of the things that surprised me about the unleaded brass when I first started learning about it was that how important the segregation was. It's like getting a shovel full of aluminum in a truckload of brass. <laughs> you destroyed it. It's exactly right. So it sounds like the technology's keeping up with the need. Well, it's it's... I, I'm trying to think how many years it's been. I mean, it was last century when the autos markets started its move to no lead. And just now, we've seen evidence of tools that are custom designed to make that difference go away. So it's taken almost two decades. But now that they focused on it, we have good coatings, we have geometry, we have modern production processes, we don't need to be afraid of unleaded anymore. Okay. I, I think all that modern too, that one of the cool things about it is the repeatability. So you get a good tool maker and he learned how to manipulate the tool and grind it a certain way to defeat the unleaded material, but it's not repeatable. They didn't have the ability to, to check it to the nth degree like you've got with these modern tools. And then what they've done now is they've taken that knowledge and brought it forward and perfected it to where they got repeatable tools that you can go to a catalog and go, okay, I need a half degree more rake or whatever. And that, it, I think that's part of what's really fixed the problem. Well, your, your quality bias is showing. Obviously, we want to eliminate variability. And the big problem with the unleaded was it was variable. You had no idea what it was going to do. And now it performs consistently with, uh, with the consistent tool technology available so it's it's winnable it's yeah winnable. it's 
it's less forgiving. I think that's the big problem is with the leaded material, if you're off three degrees on your rake angle, it didn't really matter. But with the unleaded material, to get those kind of speeds, you got to have that precision and accuracy. Ta-da. So I'm wondering, and this is pure speculation, do you think this got dragged out for so long until the technology caught up to it? Now they know that the tools and such, the technology's there, so they could put that restriction on? You know, I don't know why it, it, it I, I think it is because of the new, newest developments in technology that we can, we can really manufacture chip control surfaces that we can't even describe using words, right? <laughs> I mean, we can't even, I mean, they'll have a code letter for it. That's, that's geometry T or J or whatever it is. But, but in words, it's, it's lost us. But in, in the last part of the last century, it was like, hey, it's carbide. It's got titanium nitride or it doesn't. And it would build up or it wouldn't build up. And it was just, I, I mean, we were, we were thrashing. And now with the, the refinements in the technology, yeah, I think, I think when the, uh, the pain was sufficient, the solution came. And thank you to Dr. Luik and the people at Horn for proving to this guy that it's winnable because I was convinced it was not winnable. Okay. Well, I think Carly hit the nail it. on the head there. That, that follow the money, right? <laughs> so yeah. it, it took so long for the technology to catch up, so they kept kicking the ball down the road, kicking the can down the road. You kick a ball down the road, you go pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up today's 200th podcast on machining unleaded brass and steel. Thank you for joining us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast you don't want to miss one. Also, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast to hear how our technical members can help your shops. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources just for precision machining. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to learn how we can help you thrive. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly and Miles? Because, because we, we are, are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision. <laughs>